You know, 10 months ago, we made a decision to redefine our direction. We knew there would be ups and downs this season. We knew that we would encounter some things that were going to be difficult, and we did. Uh, with that said, I think we're in a, a better place today than we were at this time last year. And I think we have an opportunity to grow as an organization starting today. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Levine, he goes right. Oh! Stop it, Samson! Did you not get the memo? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Here's Cantor. What are you doing? The finisher in New York City. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. We're going to preach patience. It doesn't mean we're not going to be looking for ways to get better, but a lot of it's going to come internally. We need Zach Levine to be a better basketball player. Chris Dunn to come back a better player. Lowry Markkinen, Bobby Portis, you go down the line. They have to put in the time and confident that they will. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Like I said at the beginning, I feel better today about our, our direction and our position than I did a year ago. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're live on Dash Radio, DashRadio.com and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. That's tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley, writer of Bulls basketball in the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com and college hoops over at SB Nation. Along with me is Matt Peck, host of Bulls Outsiders on NBC Sports Chicago and host of the 312 Show on AM 1590 WCGO. Follow us on social media on Twitter at LockedOnBulls, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Jordan C. Malley. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash LockedOnShyBulls, and subscribe to the show, iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. 331-979-1369 is the place to hit us up. Drop your text messages, your voicemails. We did two separate episodes yesterday. If you didn't catch that, our episodes dropped a little bit later in the day yesterday, so if you want to go back, just two different episodes over an hour and a half of content for you. So the first half of the episode is just kind of following up on our thoughts. Top of John Paxson's media rounds on the radio yesterday in Chicago here. So we played a bunch of those clips yesterday, kind of broke all of that down. And then the second episode is just dedicated to you guys. The voicemails that you guys left us, and there was a bunch of them. So go back, listen to both of those episodes. But we're glad if you listened to those already, we're glad you're here. Thanks for joining us here on this Wednesday. Matt's nice to have you back. Uh, first game, Jim Boylan era in, under the belts. Bulls fall to the Pacers in what was probably had to be, for me, one of top three least fun games to watch all season <laughs> long. I, I would have to say that on top of the Warriors game was not a whole lot of fun and maybe the blowout against Charlotte, but this was this was just ugly. Even though the Bulls hung around, this one was just ugly to watch. I don't know what you're talking about, man. I loved watching this game last night. <laughs> It had me feeling all kinds of nostalgia back to the days of Tibbs, man. You had had a coach patrolling the sidelines, getting in a defensive stance, yelling at his guys. Uh, You had a game in which the pace definitely slowed down. Um, thus the, uh, the, the final score, 96-90, I mean, 
only been a handful of games this season across the league where both teams failed to score 100 points. Uh, Markkinen said something about that after the game. He said, usually these days in the NBA, if you hold your opponent under 100, you got a pretty good chance to win. Um, so clearly, you know, um, Boylan, I thought one of the funniest things that we heard from anybody after the game was, you know, Boylan talking about the the slower pace. He said, hey, you know, we'll get out and run when we can. But uh, to me, it's always about making your opponent play 24 seconds of defense. And he said, that's a that's a Greg Popovich thing. I believe in it. It's a system that I trust. And for us, that's what it's going to be about. And you did see the Bulls um, put, a, put a concerted effort into moving the ball last night. Uh, the offensive efficiency kind of got bogged down a little bit in the second half, and I think largely that was due to the fact that they were gassed from actually trying on the defensive end for the first 24 minutes of the game. So that's something that they have to get used to, and that's another thing that Boylan said after this game. He said, you know, our conditioning is a problem. We're going to address that. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if the Bulls are running laps today and tomorrow. Can I just ask, like, what does that mean in, like, it was was he not around for conditioning drills all summer and was he not in the building for the first three months of the season when they were doing conditioning drills? I like I know that it wasn't his team. It was Fred's team to decide who does what and where, but you had to know like the conditioning that this team was in was probably not ready to 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 combat what you were asking of the Bulls last night. Like that quote surprised me. It's like, dude, you've been around this team for a long time now. You knew the conditioning of this. So like, it's not like he could come out and say so. True. I don't, I don't don't think Boylan was surprised by the fact that this team is not in good enough shape conditioning wise to run up and down the floor and give as much effort on defense as they've been giving on offense through the first 20 games or so of the season he's not surprised by that it's just that after his first game in the head coach's chair that's the first time he was allowed to say that the other thing that I uh I I made note of this yesterday and just kind of watching this Bulls game (laughs) do you know who played 41 minutes last night Justin Holiday (laughs) you guys are killing me man it's Hayes and Philly I do not understand why you guys just don't shut up about trading the holiday kid man nobody cares he's not a good player nobody in the nba wants him why would anybody trade for him he's fucking terrible stop talking about him nobody cares nobody wants him 41 minutes for justin holiday yesterday i don't know what the purpose of that is i know that pregame jim boylan had mentioned that he said he likes the way that holiday plays and he plays the right way and he's got the winning mentality and he's about the team all the kind of cliches that you throw out about a veteran guy that you want to be inserted in the lineup and that was picking him over starting Jabari Parker, but playing him 41 minutes last night, I think was a little bit unnecessary, especially when you got Hutchison who only played nine minutes last night. Like, come on, man. (laughs) At some point, we're in a rebuild still here. We got to see what our young guys have. And I know we're trying to get as much Justin Holiday trade values we can squeeze out of him right now. But Speaking I gotta see Hutchison. Feeling more. nostalgic for Tibbs. Uh, there's another. There's another element of the Tibbs ball, right? Not not trusting rookies, not giving rookies real minutes. Um, yeah, I mean, Holiday, 41 minutes is a lot. But guess what? Holiday's been this team's leading minutes guy all season long. 
That's nothing new. That's nothing different. True. As for Boylan's comments about why he preferred to keep Holiday in that starting lineup and putting Parker back in a bench role, I know. Did you notice that he didn't refer to Holiday as a three and D wing, but a D and three wing with the D before the three? I thought you know it was probably just a slip of the tongue, but I thought it was hilariously perfect in that he was talking about how he liked Holiday's intensity on both ends of the floor. And hey, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's a shot at Jabari whose defensive efforts have clearly been noticeably lacking this season. And, hey, credit to Jabari. When he was out there last night and he played 29 minutes off the bench, he was hustling. I bet he wants to make a good impression on the new head coach because as much as we occasionally saw Fred get upset with Jabari for not hustling back in transition defense, Boylan said transition defense will be a main focus of mine. Uh, and we heard that he talked to several players individually um, in their hotel room in Indianapolis Monday night, and he talked to Jabari about transition defense. There was Jabari out there last night hustling. That's not a coincidence. The other thing that I got to mention, too, that surprised me from this game, did you realize that this ties a franchise low for free throw attempts in a game ever? What, it was like five, Correct. right? They were The Bulls were five for five. In 48 minutes That's of ridiculous. basketball, you shot five free throws? Five free throws? Really? Well, and the, I mean, the, the big issue there... The paint was packed is, all night, so I will say that. It was, but also, I mean, look at Zach Levine and the game he had. You talk about who's usually getting the most free throw attempts on this team for the first, for the first quarter of the season. Is Zach Levine attacking the basket. Zach Levine did not attempt a free throw last night. Um, and, and credit to him, he definitely was looking to get his teammates involved last night. And especially while marketing continues to shake off the rust and we still don't have Dunn back, and Levine is being asked to be the primary ball handler and facilitator in that starting unit. Um, you know, Archie had a tough game last night. I think he's still playing hurt, by the way. That uh, shoulder that he got banged up in one of their games last week appears to be causing issues. But Levine dished out nine more assists last night and Markinen jacked up 24 shots as opposed to just 15 for Levine. So yeah, the, the free throw thing is, is a, a little bit of a concern, but I thought it was just, you know, one random thing where that was kind of how this game was played last night. And Levine wasn't looking to attack the basket as much, which to me, if, if he's not because he's looking to get Markinen involved, that's fine. That's, I, I have no problem with that. No, I agree with that. And Levine had a season high at nine assists last night which was nice to see you know we had some tweets from people watching the game tweeted at us at locked on bulls and we're saying you know once Levine and marketing kind of figure out how to play and there was some examples last night with the two-man game that we kind of talked about him and Wendell Carter Jr. playing the the pick and rolls and the pick and pops especially Levine driving to the basket and kicking out to marketing you know once they find that chemistry a little bit more established like that's going to be a lot of fun and I think Zach Levine's going to rack up assists in handfuls man and marketing's going to have marketing's going to start have like defenses are going to have to start respecting marketing he knocked down five threes last night his shot looks like it's coming back into form and that's going to draw some bigs out away from the paint and open up all kinds of driving lanes for Zach Levine and that's a good thing for Wendell Carter Jr. too you know they start to play towards covering Lowry Markin and open starts to open things up for Wendell Carter Jr. and so you know if Zach Levine can take this baby step ahead as far as being a facilitator now that he's got Markin reinserted into this lineup I think he can rack up a bunch of assists and, you know, be a little bit more efficient with the shots that he's taking. And speaking of efficient shots, 
that one that he took, that three-pointer he took at the end of the game was not a great shot. I know that at that point it was like, no. okay, but they could have set up a better play there. And you saw Jim Boylan get on Zach Levine and said, man, like we need a better shot than that. You're better than that. Right. And, and like clearly, I, you know, the way I saw it, Levine was trying to get a two-for-one there because he jacked that shot up with somewhere around 33 seconds left on the game clock. So, you know, ideally, you knock down the three, you trim into that lead, and you guarantee yourself at least one more possession, and hopefully you get the stop on the other end. So, like, I get what Zach was trying to accomplish there, but as you said, Boylan got in his ear, and I think essentially what Boylan was saying to him as I was trying to to do a little bit of lip reading is, uh, you know, Boylan was saying, Dude, nobody was even there to try and get an offensive rebound on your miss. Like, I know that you're trying to push the pace a little bit and you're trying to trim the lead by hitting a three and you, you know, you, you're comfortable taking those shots. But because you missed and because you took that shot so quickly, we didn't even get a, an opportunity to grab a board and a second chance at that possession. So, yeah, a, a, another, I think, ill advised decision by Levine late in the game. But I mean, as he was taking the ball up the court, I was saying, got to get a two for one here. So, you know, at at, at least at the very least, I'm with Levine if that was part of his decision. I'm going to be very curious to watch what he does over the next few weeks and see how late game situations, if the Bulls are close into these games, how he changes his mentality from the beginning of the season, which was I got to basically be the guy to save us at the end of the game to saying, you know what? I also have Markin in here now. He's back. So maybe we start to open things up and run efficient, get efficient shots late in games. And I'm wondering how that dynamic is going to change. And to me, Matt, that's one of the most interesting things. If the Bulls can hang around in these games that they play over the next three weeks or so leading up to the new year, that's something that I'm going to watch in the fourth quarter is how Levine gets marketing involved and vice versa and what kind of shots he thinks he needs to be taking. And if he's still going to have that alpha dog mentality that he had in these first 25 games without marketing, um, I'm going to be looking for that. And I hope Zach starts to get marketed and more involved. And I think both of those guys late in games, you got two guys now that can shoot and knock down buckets. Finding efficient shots for both of those guys hanging around games is something that they're just going to have to work out. That's a, that's part of the kinks that I think looking at the X's and O's fourth quarter stuff, that's part of growing and developing as a team. So that's something to watch fourth quarters now going over the next few weeks. Definitely. Although, I and speaking of that and late game decisions and, and late game coaching, I did like the play that uh, that Boylan drew up to get a marking in that, uh, that corner three late in the game oh yeah yeah yeah. that that what did you know the play i'm talking about where like he ran a little double drag screen for marketing who all of a sudden just popped out wide open in the corner on the inbounds pass um that that was a great play uh and it got levine uh a good look i think sabonis did get over to contest it like right as marketing was shooting um but it was a you know it was a well-drawn up play and marketing got a great look at a corner three one of the most efficient shots you can take in the NBA these days. Unfortunately, Markkanen didn't hit it. Markkanen's never really been a, a big guy with corner threes. He's usually more comfortable shooting them from the elbows and from the top of the key. Um, but I, either way, at least it was like, hey, look, a play drawn up as an inbounds pass play out of a timeout 
that actually resulted in a player getting an open look. That was a nice, refreshing change of pace. The Bulls are around two rebounding-wise as a team. They had 44 rebounds last night to the Pacers' 45. So that's going to be something that I think changes, too. And that's something that Boylan mentioned um, in his press conference on Monday. said, you know, we've got to be better on the glass. We've got to be better as a defensive rebounding team. And they did, they did pretty well last night. You know, somebody had mentioned about their offensive rebounding and said, you know, their offensive rebound percentage is the highest of any game this season, but they also missed 57 shots last night. So uh, to grab 12, re- 12 offensive rebounds shouldn't be hard when you miss that many shots on the offensive side of the ball. The Bulls only shot 39.4% as a team last night to the Pacers 46.1%. And the reason why they hung around in this game was because they were halfway decent from three-pointer, 11 for 31 last night. So a couple things are going to change, but Matt, there's a couple other things that I want to ask you just as far as the coaching staff goes, as what we saw from Boylan last night, the obvious differences between him and Hoiberg already and I've got to ask you a couple different things that I'm seeing just from the flashes of one game let's do that after we get back from a break you can follow us on Twitter at locked on Bulls at Jordan's emailing at Bulls underscore Peck drop us a voicemail or text message at 331-979-1369 hit us up anytime you listen to the show we'd love to hear from you 331-979-1369 stay with us here at locked on Bulls be back in 60 seconds Back here on Locked On Bulls, hit us up on Twitter at Locked On Bulls, on Instagram at Locked On Bulls, or drop us a text or a voicemail at 331-979-1369. Okay, Matt, I noticed a couple things about Boylan that are pretty obvious. I think a lot of people did last night. Like looking at Boylan getting in a defensive stance, running up and down the sideline, screaming and yelling, things that Fred Hoiberg never did while he was here. And that was obvious. We kind of knew that Boylan was going to do that. But some of the coaching choices that he made last night eerily remind me of college basketball. And the way he was kind of running this NBA game was sort of a college style. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but that's up to Boylan. And that's his style, like slowing the game down, playing more of a half-court style of offense for this Bulls, getting efficient shots, but also calling timeouts when you're down seven uh, under a minute when the game's pretty much over. He was calling timeouts left and right. Like I got a very college vibe from last night and what the Bulls were trying to do. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, essentially it, it was very noticeable that, the hoy ball era aka pace and space more like rest and peace in space like that's done it's gone boylan is not a run up and down guy um so uh, you know the let's try and get as many shots as we can let's try and get as many possessions as we can let's try and get a shot before our, our, our opponent's defense gets set as i was saying earlier boylan is much more of the mind that it's it's to your advantage to make your opponent's defense defend you for 24 seconds uh, and, and use that 24 seconds to move the ball around, uh, pass up okay shots for better shots and pass up better shots for the best shots. Um, and, and that's something that, that Pops Spurs have always done. They have done it and executed it very well uh, for the better part of 20 years. And we'll see just how well Boylan can get these guys to play that style of ball. Um, and, you know, we'll see if the Bulls averaged, you know, threes per game, uh, you know, three-point attempts per game comes down a little bit, um, or if they continue to shoot a lot of threes within Boylan's system. Uh, and I think that they will. 
um, because a lot of these guys have been given the green light on threes for so long now that it'll be hard to change that. But I don't think they necessarily should uh, because that's the way that the game is played these days in the NBA. Uh, I look, I, I, I don't I don't love it. I'm just, you know, I'm it's, it's kind of a weird, uh, conflicted feeling of ready for something new and also like, is this really something new? Because this is a kind of offense that we're familiar with, and certainly with limited talent, it's it, it can be, as you said, to open the show, on some nights, hard to watch. Yeah, but the comments about the, the road dog mentality that they're supposed to have and, like, gritting games out, like, man, come on. Like, those are, those are buzzwords, like... I don't like that idea, and I thought Stefan knows follow-up last night was perfect, spot-on the way I felt about watching this game. So Boylan's comments are a bit worrisome. A caveat is I think he was fine last night. The Bulls just posted a 91.8 offensive rating. That's a bottom six game for them. They're 29th and thir- or 30th in offense, depending on the day. Better shots should be the focus, not grit or being a road dog or whatever that means. Totally agree with him. Like Getting better shots, like I had mentioned just before our break, they missed 57 shots last night, and they, was sh- they shot under 40% from the field, so... I don't think it's about gritting games out and, you know, flying across the floor and grabbing rebounds and doing all that. It's just about getting efficient shots to the guys that you know on this roster can make that. And in order to do that, has to be good ball movement. I think they, they had a step in the right direction yesterday. I thought the ball movement was way better than it has been over the course of the first 25 games. But I have to agree with Stefano here is like the game, the way it's modernly played is to go super fast and Make sure you can put up a bunch of shots, including a lot of three-pointers. That's just the way that the game has well, gone instead of kind of yes, slowing it down the way that Jim Boylan is wanting. That's fair and that's fine. And I agree with Steph and no in, in that element of what he's trying to say. But let's also realize that when the Bulls have been trying to push that pace this season, they get blown they're, losing games, they're, they're, they're losing games 125 to 107. Right. Like th- They can't. They can't hang with teams that way. And actually, if you look back, like Stefan No wrote a column earlier this season talking about how the Bulls offensively were actually more efficient when they slowed things down. So I, I get what Steph's trying to say, and it's it's not in line with the trend of the league and the way that the most efficient offenses are playing these days. But for the Bulls and what they have right now, it wasn't working trying to play fast and jack up a lot of shots. It just wasn't working. They're getting blown out. Are you buying into the the? Do you think the players are going to buy into this mentality of the screaming and the yelling and the squatting into defensive position on the sideline and you know Parker and Wendell Carter Jr. and him like coming in and holding hands together during a timeout like. All of this stuff, are you are you going to buy into this, or do you think this is just kind of a facade and it's like, okay, like these are kind of the things that Fred Hoiberg didn't do, but are they going to last? Is this is this act going to last and is it actually going to reflect back onto the players and are they going to grasp and buy into to what Jim Boylan is doing? I mean Because I don't know, man, like like it, it is nice and refreshing, but at the same time, it's like I've seen this twice already with this Bulls team. Like over the last twenty years, I've already seen this act before, it, and we know how it. Well, you asked me, "Am I buying into it?" And you also asked me, "Do I think that the team will buy into it?" My answer, yes, my answer to questions. both is for a time, yes, because when. 
Tibbs first took control of this team, and they were still fairly young. You know, they had a couple of veterans at that point. Joe Keem had been in the league for like, you know, three or four seasons. Dang had been around for a while. But, you know, Derek was young. Taj was young. A lot of the other core pieces were were young guys. And he got them to buy into his system and his his harsh demeanor and yelling at them about playing defense and the and the forty eight minutes of intensity, uh, you know, don't let go of the rope, all that kind of stuff. And a young team and young players who are kind of individuals trying to figure out how to play basketball as a team need that guidance. They need the discipline. You know, NBA stars who are well developed and they have their egos, they don't really need coaches as much. The coach just, you know, draws up some plays for them occasionally, gives them a little motivational boost to halftime if need be. But for the most part, those teams that have been together for a while and are, you know, comprised of established stars and established role players, they go out and play. But a young, disjointed team such as these Bulls that are trying to overcome guys being out with injury, trying to overcome figuring out who's where in the rotation, trying to figure out how to play together at a very young age. That is why Fred didn't work. They kept saying, oh, Fred's a great communication guy. Fred was a pushover. We know this to be true. That people, You have players, former players of Fred, both you know uh, Bulls players and then also Bulls, uh, uh, Iowa State players, said about Fred, yeah, Fred lets, lets us get away with anything. So I'm sorry. I'm not going to be cynical about the, oh, we've seen this before, as far as Jim Boylan's approach on a nightly basis and, you know, being up in, in guys' faces and timeouts and being up and down yelling on the sidelines, oh, we've seen this before. At least it's something different from Fred, which wasn't working. So, yes, I'm going to believe that this young team that is desperate for leadership and needs the discipline to be led by a guy with a strong voice will, at least for a while, respond to Jim Boylan in in a way that they did not respond to Fred Hoiberg. P.S. That's why Fred Hoiberg is ousted. That's just kind of my, my, my thinking here is like, how long does that last? And I guess the, the next question, the follow-up question is, how long does it take for the play- players to buy in and will it last? And those two types of things might not be answered in the next few weeks, months. Maybe it takes a year. Maybe it takes the rest of the season. Maybe it take, takes even till till next season. But I think the steps forward to see these guys buy into what Jim Boylan wants to do and execute it the way he wants it done. He said that before, that he, he's willing to share roles with guys and understands that guys have to have a say in their role. But at the end of the day, when we step out on that floor, they have to do what I want them to do on that floor. And so that is a totally different mentality than I think Fred Hoiberg had. So that's just my biggest question is, is do young players respond to that? And maybe they do, and maybe that's why they made the change, and it's probably why they made the change. It's it's nothing was working, so we need to make that opposite change. And the Bulls are known for doing that. It's, it's the ping pong it, mentality. That it's they an age old truth, though, Jordan, that that young people crave structure. Y- young people excel and exceed uh, expectations when they are given a structured system in which to excel uh, and exceed expectations. With this young team the Bulls have, I, I believe that that very much can be the case. And to your point of will they buy in or won't they, well, clearly that is, you know, you want everyone on the team to buy in. It's not often that that happens in the NBA. So I think the most likely answer to that is some will buy in, some won't, 
And if the Bulls really do want Jim Boylan to be the guy moving forward, not just to finish this season, but be their head coach next season, evaluating who buys in and who only buys in for a week or so and then goes back to their normal amounts of effort and who doesn't buy in will dictate who is here on this team next season and who is not, parentheses, <laughs> Jabari Parker. Uh, all right, let's follow up with some coaching moves. Did you laugh as hard as I did reading Casey Johnson's tweet prior to the Pacers game about the moves that were being made, about Randy Brown specifically? Because I I was crying. I, I, I hate to say it, and I'm not trying to be mean, but the way it was phrased made me laugh. It said, Randy Brown was at shoot-around when he was told that Respert and Lesnar promotions, he was asked to stay on, but in different, likely lesser role, Bulls say he resigned. And then he followed up that with Jim Boylan confirmed Randy Brown was asked to take a lesser role on the staff and resigned. And then he also followed it up with, actually, Boylan disputes lesser and says different, but confirms Brown was asked to move behind the bench instead of sitting on it, and instead he resigns. And a lot of Bulls fans are kind of laughing at that on Twitter because... If you know anything about Randy Brown, is he, he was a rat? the guy that everybody pegged as kind of that locker room snitch, the guy that was snitches get stitches. <laughs> the guy that was informing the front office about everything that the guys were saying in the locker room, more specifically things about like Rose and things about Butler, and it's it, it just goes on and on. And I I you know the thing that brought Randy Brown here in the first place, and I just learned about this today, and maybe that's showing my age a little bit, but. The fact that he had to was thinking about selling his championship ring because he fell into some money trouble. Uh, Reinsdorf gave him a job with the Bulls, and then he also all, all of a sudden worked his way up to the Bulls bench. And so I, I don't know. Randy Brown has gotten a terrible reputation over the last handful of years here, specifically with Bulls fans. So I I thought of you first, Matt, and I'm like, I bet you Matt is probably happy to see Randy resign for the mere fact that between the the rumors about him being a snitch and you know what is he still doing here why is he still on the staff what does he actually do all of that adding up uh, to me it's nice to see Boylan kind of clean staff and bring yes. in the people that he wants to sit absolutely there. and that to me was the biggest absolutely case. fresh voices that is needed here uh laugh my ass off good riddance Randy Brown like what was played played a bench role on the second three P teams uh, of the late 90s okay i'm sorry that, that that does not earn you any kind of like oh yeah you're qualified to be an assistant coach in the nba no like i i to me randy brown accomplished nothing other than like shagging rebounds at practice and shoot arounds and snitching on players to the front office does it look like he's right that's all he did from what i can tell um a couple other details that we've learned uh, as far as the way you broke down what we learned and, and how the change came about. Um, there was another follow-up follow-up from Casey this morning saying, as far as Randy Brown's new job offer, as far as the the change in exactly how he would be an assistant uh, to Boylan, Boylan said it would have been it would have involved fewer in-game duties and more in-between game duties uh so you know maybe that was more like film stuff or something that he wanted randy to do but uh uh and then the other detail which you heard jim boylan say when asked when jim boylan was being asked about the the change the coaching cha- uh, shakeup, is that he confirmed that he asked randy to move from sitting next to him on the bench to sitting behind him behind the bench uh, that Jim Boylan said, yeah, I wanted him sitting directly behind me, talking in my ear, 
And this is just my conspiracy theory. I have no evidence or proof that this is what Jim Boylan planned out. But I think it's possible that what Boylan did was say, all right, I want to make a couple of changes to my assistant coaching staff. And I want Randy Brown gone. I know that players here have heard about the things that he has done as far as being a leak to the front office about you know tattling on players. I don't want that guy as part of this team's culture moving forward. I don't want him on this team. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer him a job to stay on my staff in a way that I can I, I can phrase this to the media like yeah I asked him to sit behind me instead of next to me but I wanted to sit I wanted him sitting behind me so he could lean forward and whisper directly in my ear because I value this guy's opinion and I value his coaching experience I can make so like Boylan's like I can spin this positively to the media saying I didn't want to get rid of Randy, Randy Brown I just wanted to switch which chair he was in and really and truly Boylan anticipated that Randy Brown was going to see this as a diss. Randy Brown was going to see this as a demotion and a sign of disrespect. And that Randy Brown would politely say, thanks, no thanks, shove it out your ass, I'm out. And Boylan can get rid of a guy he didn't want while also still not looking like the bad guy in the eyes of the media. I think that's what happened. That's just my theory. I like it. I, I think it's a genius theory. It kind of makes sense, too. Boylan's been here for a while, so he knows what's been said. You know, if if anything's been credited to Boylan, it's being the guy that sort of the players can grasp to, can kind of latch on to, and believe me, not being the head coach, being the guy that kind of grinds it out, talks to the players, goes on these trips to meet players, and and develop those relationships, you hear things, and he knows. He knows as, as good as any, so I like that theory. I think that's a good one. I don't know if that's correct, but I certainly love my conspiracy theories and love that one. Um all right, Matt, I, I think the the overarching thing that I'm getting to, one last thing on Boylan, and then we'll get to some text messages. We're going to have a lot of really good sound drops, and even if the Bulls do finish out the season losing a lot of games, which I do anticipate happening, we're going to get a lot of funny in-game clips. We're going to get a lot of really bizarre, but I think entertaining quotes from Jim Boylan, and I hope that all connects to somehow this team getting better, getting back on the track of where we were talking preseason about how this Bulls team, you want them to stay in games, you want to see the guys develop, but at the same time, hang around the top five of the lottery. I think all those things can happen still at this point. Guys will still grind it out. I think we can still find ways and find pockets of success from this season, even though it might feel like rock bottom right now. So those are all the things that I'm going to look forward to towards the end of the season is still watching Markin and Levine Carter and how they develop. That's super important right now and seeing how Boylan tries to get those guys to work on their chemistry and playing together. And then on the t- on top of that, man, you're probably right. And I, I think I've been convinced more and more now over the last few weeks that there aren't as many bad t- bad teams in the league right now. And as many games as the Bulls will be in when fully healthy through the back end of 50 games, I think there's not enough bad teams to say confidently that the Bulls would be knocked out of the top five. I don't know if I'm convinced yet about top three lottery selection, but that's kind of splitting hairs at this point with the restructuring of kind of what the odds are of getting the number one overall pick or even getting a top five pick. So that's just kind of where I sit at this point. Yeah, with the new 2019 odds breakdowns, they just need to be one of the top four. And they'll have the same percent chance as the other top three of the top four worst teams to land that number one pick. I think that's possible. And look, I won't be 
completely heartbroken if instead of continuing to to play this season at a five and twenty kind of win loss pace, they pick it up a bit. Uh, Boylan manages to inspire this young team, gets them to play together. They they start winning close games instead of losing close games. Levine and Markinen develop chemistry, and and Dunn adds you know adds his uh, contributions when he's back in the fold. And same thing for Bobby. And this team ends up winning some more games and does some damage to themselves from the from the lottery odds perspective. I'll be disappointed because I really do truly think that this team still is lacking their number one superstar talent to really get a rebuild off the ground. I think they have a lot of nice pieces, but I still think they're missing something. And you obviously want to give yourself the best chance to nail that blue chip draft pick. But if 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 that doesn't happen because the cost is, oh, hey, this team is starting to play together and they're starting to win games together. I, I can make peace with that. Yeah, and I think the players, one thing that I kind of think of is beat the teams you're supposed to beat and hang around in the games you have no business being in at this point in the season. I think if they can do that, the players won't be so bothered by losing close games to competitive teams if they are beating the teams that they think that they should be beating. And and that goes to the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Phoenix Suns and those types of those types of games. The teams that they've beaten this season. Exactly. And the Atlanta Hawks Knicks, is another one. Cavs, Suns, Hawks. And then one, one time Charlotte. But like, yeah, the, 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 the wins on the Bulls' resume this season are all teams that they're trying to tank against. Yeah, and I think positive notes, too, from it is if they are starting to figure things out, maybe towards the back end of the season, this last six weeks, and they start picking up a win here or there against other competitive teams, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world either. At least then you know that there's some type of development happening with this team. And that, I think, is the most important. You know, regardless of that top three pick this year coming up, the assets that you have on this team are still the most important part of your team and getting back to sort of that relevancy that we want to be at and being back at the top of the East. You got to have the guys on the roster, the core guys on your roster, develop into something. And that's got to happen sooner rather than later. You still got to be patient, but it's got to happen at some point. Otherwise, you end up like the Phoenix Suns, who are just, holy shit, are they a dumpster fire. My God. Like, they scored nine points last night against the Kings, 36-9 to after the first quarter, and they got blown out again. So they were without Devin Booker, but I rest my case in the sun. We've got some of those quarters on our resume this season too, Jordan. (laughs) That is true. That is true. But, hey, we didn't come out and say that we were trying to be competitive this year. We did. We knew that this Bulls Paxson did. Well, well, yeah, well, he lies a lot, so. We'll just leave it at that. But the Phoenix Suns went out and actively tried to say that we're going to take another step forward here. And they've been doing this for a while now. So um, a couple of rookie updates real, real fast, Matt. And then the other guy, Matt. All it would have costed us was Kent Bazemore. And I hate to do this hindsight stuff, but all it would have costed us was Kent Bazemore in order to get Luka Doncic. And he is lighting the world on fire for the Mavericks. So shout out to the Mavericks for making that trade because he has been every bit as good as I think a lot of people thought he was going to come into the league too. And I know you liked him a lot, you know, going back to the summer when we were evaluating things. I still like Wendell Carter Jr. a lot. I still love him, but uh, it's hard to ignore what Luka Doncic is doing with the Mavericks in his rookie season. I, uh, you know, I thought that he would be when it, uh, when it all unfolded, Luca would be the best talent from this draft class. 
I still think that that's the most likely outcome. That uh, crossover step back dagger three he hit last night, absolutely filthy. I, I love watching that kid play. Um, to your thing about, oh, all it would take would be more for the Bulls to... I don't necessarily know if that's true. I don't know if I believe that. Um, I would have loved the Bulls finding a way to get Luka. And if they needed to trade up to make it happen, you know, I don't know what really truthfully would have happened there and how close, if at all, the Bulls were in any any communication um, to to move up and to be in a spot to take him. But let's be real. The Suns, Aiton looks okay, whatever, whatever. The Hawks, Trey Young looks okay, whatever, whatever. The Kings with Bagley, those teams got to be kicking themselves that they don't have Luke on their team right now, plain and simple. Yeah, Trey Young, I mean, statistically, if you look at the advanced analytics, has been the worst player in the NBA to start this season. But yeah, give him some time. Marvin Bagley hasn't been great either. Mo Bamba hasn't been great. Kevin Knox hasn't been great. He's shown flashes, but hasn't been great. Um, the guy that we talked about a lot that the Bulls didn't end up going with, he fell down the draft board, has actually been the best player. He's also on the Phoenix Suns in Mikael Bridges, so... Uh, yeah, I think this draft class, though, Matt, is, is we're going to talk the same way we talked about some of those premier draft classes in the early 2000s, more specifically. Like 2003. Yeah. It, it could be on par with 2003. I think all the guys that were taken in the top 10 they have some type of value, you know, and it's a sliding scale for that, but they all are going to be solid players in the NBA for a long time. I, I can guarantee that. Well, that's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. We've had a ton of content since Fred Hoiberg has been fired this week. If you missed it, we dropped two episodes yesterday, and we're doing the same exact thing today. We've had an overwhelming amount of text messages and voicemails dropped. We played all the voicemails yesterday. We're going to get through the text messages today, so make sure you download that episode after you're done listening to this one. And also, things got a little bit heated, too, in this conversation, so go make sure you download that episode. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere you find podcasts. You will find us. We're live on Dash Radio, DashRadio.com, and the Dash Radio app on the Nothing But Net channel. Live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. That's tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley. Bulls Nation, have a wonderful day. Join us for part two of two episodes today. We'll be back tomorrow with fresh episodes for you. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.